Welcome to the Fish Nerds Fishing Podcast, the show that's always interesting, usually funny, and mostly true. I'm Paul Groves, international opera singer, and here are the nerds! Chemise, Lewis. Good. Hey, good day. Good day. <laughs> Luke, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here too. It's been a little while between drinks, but um, yeah, it's been, been a, keeping an eye on you, boys. It's been a long time, and to be honest, people have been asking about you, so I'm glad we're getting you on. You're going to be co hosting tonight, sitting with me oh, for the very, first show. It's very excited. Yeah, so before we get into it, I want to I, I wanna know what happened to your back. <laughs> yes. Well, thanks for that question, Clay. Now, um, I don't know. I've just um, somehow done something in it, and uh, yeah, the muscles are spasming, and oh, it's horrible. So, um, yeah, I, I can't pinpoint exactly what I've done, but um, well, well, I did go cutting wood a fortnight ago. Mm-hmm. No, you cut by uh, hand or use a chainsaw? A chainsaw. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I, just from that day on, it's got increasingly worse, and now I'm, yeah, bedridden. Bedridden. Well, hopefully, Lisa's taking good care of you and bringing you drugs. Yes, lots of lots of <laughs> care and drugs. Actually, yes. Excellent. <laughs> so, um, you you may have to excuse my speech a little today. Uh-huh. I've had recently had a tooth removed and oh developed a daffy duck. Um, type of voice now where, yeah, a lot of air escapes from um, <laughs> when I'm speaking. So you have to relearn how to speak. Oh, a little bit. Okay. Well, hey, you know, I'm, I'm so glad to be with you. And for those who don't know, you're down in Australia. First day of spring down there? Very close. I think it was the other day. But yeah, it's very close. It's either today or the other, uh, yesterday or something like that. But yeah, it, we are turning our clocks uh forward in um a week or so or the end of the week or something and um so uh yeah we'll have daylight saving and da 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 so yeah. um yeah and we're jumping into Looking autumn good. And- it's been a very cold winter and <laughs> extremely wet it's been horrible uh we will get we're getting over a drought of a summer and tomorrow's first day of autumn for us so we're gonna jump yeah. in and uh hopefully um have a nice wet winter that's the hope cold and wet well, that's the plan yeah, well, it's been horrible and wet here. We've had, um, I mean, I'm not complaining about the rain per se, but uh, it has been heavy and constant. Uh, well, and, uh, and we're in for some more today and tomorrow and that again. But um, we've had quite a few storms and bits and pieces. Some poor people have been flooded and, you know, and the, the general stuff that happens with floods. And sure. Some poor bugger got washed into a dam or something in his ute, and oh, it's horrible. So yeah, but um, yeah, no, it's it's it is drying. Out. It's going to dry out shortly, and um, it won't be long, and we'll be whinging about it being forty-four and all of this sort of thing. That's Celsius, by the way. Right, I know. It means one hundred and fifty uh, Fahrenheit. Yeah. Now, uh, yeah. the good news is with the rain coming, I've got a new fish nerds hat for you, just off the press today in the mail to you. So. That's, that's oh, thank you. Yeah, your I way. appreciate that. I miss my hat dearly. <laughs> yeah, a few of our correspondents have lost their hats this year, so I put an order in and got you covered. Now, um, 
you're you're a lure manufacturer down there in Australia, McShamo's Lures. I think beautiful pieces of artwork. I haven't oh, well, I haven't caught a lot of fish on them, so beautiful artwork. <laughs> and, <laughs> but they're great, and and we'll share pictures up on our fishnerds.com page. But I want to get right into it with you. Um, you threw some topics out to me, and one of the ones I really liked, you asked. Uh, the question, um, are fish sexist? You complained about being outfished by the ladies. And oh, tell me about it, that. I don't think it was a complaint as such. <laughs> it was more an observation. I, I happened to notice a friend of mine, um, old Dan from Serious Mulloway Addiction, was being outshot by his um, partner, mm -hmm. the lovely Carla, and she hit 40 targets from 40 shots. And, da -da -da, and I thought... Yeah, they, they are. Ladies are very good shots with a rifle, not sure. too bad with a bow, and they're not too shabby at fishing. And I just started to wonder is, do fish sense something through the line with them, the, the gentle feminine touch perhaps, or is it that they're a little bit more patient or... I know this one might be hard to believe, maybe quieter or... <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if they're quieter. I don't quieter, know, but they do tend to... You ask a lot of people, Kelly. Oh, yeah, my my missus outfished me. Da, da, da. Oh sure. I took Lisa the uh, Callop Commando up the river recently, and um, she kicked my butt. She just couldn't travel more than ten feet without catching one. Ah, but, so, um, but you know, don't you love it though? Like when you're when I'm fishing with my daughters or my wife or any, and I'm, I hate to be sexist, but any woman. I love it when they catch a ton of fish, and so it makes me happy, oh, look, you know. Yeah, and I have to admit, Lisa was using my lures naturally, so oh. once again, I'm not too fussed if I'm not the one catching them. As long as my lures are involved there somewhere, I'm, <laughs> I'm more than happy to um, be a, a, a observer. Got to bring but, a little um, bit of joy was, there. She did, I mean, she was just, they were jumping in the boat. It was ridiculous. Oh, that's and, great. of course, it's, you know, she's looking at you and this She'd have a big drag, just back when she smoked, she'd have a drag and a cigarette and blow it out sort of nonchalantly and then look at me and go, I don't know what you're talking about, it's just not that hard. And you feel like pushing her overboard. Well, maybe but, you um, should sometimes. Now, we, we put, a, we put a, a Facebook poll out today to ask this question. Are fish sexist, right? So here's the results. You ready? Ten people, we didn't get a ton of responses, but ten people said, yeah, fish dig the ladies. Uh, five people said no. Luke is just distracted by the ladies, so they're they're saying it's your fault because you're not paying attention to the fish anymore. They're saying I'm a pervert. You're a total perv. And then uh, we have one person that just says no. Fish are equal opportunity eaters and they don't care. Um, but but Michael Frank, who's a fishing guide in South Carolina, says fly fishing in fly fishing the ladies often outfish the guys. With their softer hands, they detect strike much better when a trout takes number 22 nymph. So he's making the argument that they, they have more sensitive feelings and therefore they catch more fish. Yeah, I mean, there's so. a, a lot of people have um, said over the years that you transfer some type of vibe down the line mm -hmm. or they can tell that you're frightened or you're tense yeah. or something. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's rubbish myself. Of course. But, you know, stranger things have happened. Yeah, Especially really. on this show. 
uh, this is for sure. <laughs> you never, you never really can tell. So that answer will go. That question will go unanswered. I can tell you this summer, I fished with dozens of little girls and little boys, and little girls usually caught more fish than the boys. But I think it goes to back to laziness and other kind of focused yeah, I, activities. Yeah, I think there are you know mitigating factors. Yeah, for sure. But um, I mean, Captain Sean and the lovely Lindsay might be the ones to talk. I mean, or it'd be interesting to see their fish ratio amongst each other. Oh, that'd be interesting. You know, Captain Sean is from MainTunaFishing.com, and um, we've had him on the show a bunch of times. So. Oh, just, Clay, just yeah. while we're talking about Captain Sean, yeah, let's talk you, about him, it. have you and him been up to, you know, the old kissy-kissy on the boat again? <laughs> Not again. Uh, in 2014, we, we went shark fishing with him, and to celebrate, he grabbed me by my face and planted a wet one on my mouth. But he keeps bringing it up over and over again. Well, he he has asked me to ask you about your mackerel breath. Yeah, now. so on that trip, I'll tell you, on that trip, I bit the head off a of mackerel for good luck. And so the mackerel breath, when I kissed him, it was definitely a sloppy mackerel kiss. Uh, that's, that's just revolting. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I yeah, didn't well, like it at all. Uh, he was very whiskery. And uh, I wasn't I wasn't entirely happy about it, but I'll give him it was funny. But he does. I, he brings it up every day. Almost. If I talk to him, it comes up like he's waiting yeah. for a second kiss. And I don't you know, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> the, word, the word infatuation comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah. He is dreamy. Oh, no, he's mm. into me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, he's a great guy. I talked to him today. In fact, um, in fact, in fact, here's kind of a segue. Um, until this week, we only had 15 shows available for download on the internet. Dave and I were keeping just a small amount of shows available. But since Dave left the show, I have an entire catalog, and I'm putting up the entire 121 shows on back on the internet so that if you missed an episode, you can go back yep. in and pick it up again. So I just today put up uh, the uh, shark fishing episode with Captain Sean, and you can hear the whole story of the Mako shark. And caught, we, we had it live on tape. We were recording the show while we caught a Mako shark. So you can go back and listen to that show and uh, get uh, the drama. One of my favorite episodes. Uh, one of my favorite episodes. Uh, it gives you chills when you when you hear that shark jump out of the water. and One of the boat just screams and it's insane. So yeah, yeah, totally good. Uh, yeah. So that all those back episodes are coming back up again. Go to fishners dot com or anywhere you get your podcast and pick them up, uh, and we'll keep adding them. So yes, yes. Do yourselves a favor, Pete. Do a solid. Do a solid. So Australia. You're involved with uh, fish stocking down there, aren't you? Yes. Recently, um, we had a culmination of a, uh, a grant that we were given and um, a lot of work and effort went into um, firstly obtaining the grant and then we grew out a certain number of fish, a couple of thousand um, Australian natives called silver perch. Now, are and, they uh, true perch? Sorry? Are silver perch, are they true perch? Yes, yes, they are the big hunched shoulder, and uh, they have a smaller mouth, and they're an omnivore. And oh. um, as they get bigger, they sort of eat more vegetation than um, than uh, meat or prey, as such. But um, we grew them out to a um, very healthy size, so probably in your terms, about five to six inches. That's a nice which, big fish. Yeah, to to be released. Those are and, eaters. Um, of course, at that size, <laughs> their survival rate is um, very high in the ninety mm-hmm. percent sort of range. 
possibly higher. I mean, as long as the birds don't get to them, there's not much in this one reservoir that could that could bother them. There's a lot of redfin or yellow perch or whatever you call them. Now, will they eat the reddies? Uh, eventually, yes, because there was um, cod put in as well. They were a smaller sized fish, which is unfortunate, but that's just the way it rolls in South Australia at the moment until we get our own hatchery going. But um, so 50 millimetres, so that's about two inch fish. They were put in in their thousands. Um, golden perch were put in in their thousands as well. And they are a, um, not an apex predator, but not far down the line. And then um, some silver perch, which we grew with the grant money. So there was some separate um, bodies um, putting together. And um, yeah, and the, oh, I can't remember when it was now. It was quite a few weeks ago now, but the um, Warren Reservoir was stopped and um, there was a big news contingent there and Channel 7 put it on the, the nightly news and we all got our mugs on TV. And But it was a fantastic thing to be involved with. And um, we just can't wait for South Australia to um, do it on a regular basis. Um, we've still got fish coming that um, we bought for the with the grant money and a whole heap of Murray cod as well. And they'll be growing out to a larger size. This is down at the study facilities um, TAFE at Gillies Plains in South Australia. And TAFE is like a, uh, I mean, like a community college sort of, further education thing and um, it, they do a very good job and um, yeah so that's where I'm studying my aquaculture diploma down there and um, and through that we were lucky enough to obtain a grant and grow some fish and get to release them and it was and it, it is a fantastic fulfilling feeling um, yeah it really is it was just it was so it was so great it really was to see them all swim off and Looking at how big our fish were compared to the other fish as well, we sort of got our point across that if we could grow the fish out a little bit bigger and not have to bring them in from uh, interstate as tiny small fish, surely this is just a win-win for everyone. I mean, you know, the aquaculture sector in South Australia will be bigger and employ a few more people and da-da-da-da because unemployment is a massive thing in this state at the moment and we're desperately trying to get this new industry up and running and not so much um, ocean-based aquaculture, but more inland stuff for Australian natives and, and, you know, just look after the rivers and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, freshwater. And it's way more controllable in a freshwater system. Now, when when you release these fish, have you gone fishing after and caught the fish you've raised on your own lures? (laughs) Not yet, I haven't. Yeah. Now, wouldn't it be uh, cool to catch a fish you raised and on a lure you made? And then when you oh. catch it, you say, look, I brought you into this world. I'm going to take you out. <laughs> a little. Well, we, I do do that a little bit now, believe it or not. Lucky enough that I've stocked a couple of little dams around the area. And one of them's at this place I work at at the moment. And um, at lunchtime, I can mosey on over. And I we bought in these trout at quite a small size. And we've grown them up to a reasonable fish. And we let them go in this dam the other day. And they're finally starting to um, react to bait and um, lures. So, um, yeah, I caught one the other day at lunchtime. And exa- and, but unfortunately, the bloody thing went and died on me. Ah. I don't know why. I hooked him and pulled him in and he was dead. Uh, if only he had a better dad. Yeah, well, <laughs> anyway, we prepared him and um, the owners of the property uh, baked him up in the Weber, which is like just a barbecue of sorts. 
And, um, yeah, they said, you know, he was so-so, but I think trout are a very overrated eating fish myself. I couldn't agree they more. They are fantastic to catch. I mean, they are great fun. I, I agree with you on every point. I do not like eating trout that much, but I love catching them. Yeah, nah, they're, they're um, mushy, bony, just, yeah, not much going for them in that. But then again, some people absolutely swear by smoked mm. trout. And da, 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 well, if you smoke I, a fish, it tastes like the smoke. You know, it's not really. <laughs> yeah, well, this is true. Yeah. This is true. Um, so how have the big rains down there affected your rivers? They're all currently either in flood or very close to um, getting a really good flush. I just had a look at the Murray River um, upstream from where we are um, in Victoria, so it's in another state, um, Yarrawonga, and after it, there is tons of water on its way down. So um, it's just been the whole eastern seaboard has, uh, probably the southeastern seaboard, including us, South Australia, have copped a hammering in the last probably two months. And, um, yeah, so most of the rivers have got oodles and oodles of water in them. Some of them, like I said, are in flood. And the mighty Murray itself is um, going to get one hell of a flush in the next, you know, coming months, which is good because the Murray mouth, which silts up and needs dredging continually by the um, government, um, is getting a really good flush. But uh, a lot of the local waters around South Australia's Gulf waters have um, lots of brown water have come out. And, um, you know, apart from looking a bit ordinary, um, yeah, it's just a good natural thing to to have happen, excuse me, to have happen. So, um, yeah, floods are a good thing as long as they don't hurt anyone. But unfortunately, mm, they they tend to take a scalp here and there. And, and some old fellow was unlucky enough to get washed in his ute into his own dam, and I think he drowned. So... I mean, when I say they're a good thing, they're a good thing for the ecosystem. They're not so good for um, humans and habitats. I mean, so, um, you, you say you make the same argument for forest fires and other things. What about fishing? Do you fish in floodwaters? Do you ever like try to fish those brown waters? I do the local ones, but you've got to pick your times. You, you know, the minute it starts to clear, the fish will come out and um, try and be the first ones to get a feed. So if you're there at the right time, the fishing can be dynamite. I know that the... Um, there's a river called the Onka Paringa, which is in the south of, well, not, yeah, the south of our local CBD, so south of Adelaide, which is our capital city. Um, it, it is on fire at the moment. The floodwaters are receding and the brim, they're just like a fresh, or an estuary fish, like a black brim. I think they're a, um, yeah, a black, oh, what are they? I'm not quite sure of the species, but they're the local brim down there. And they um, have been fishing fantastic for a week or so now and quite big fish being caught. And it's just, you know, the floodwaters are receding and they're coming out and um, grabbing what's, you know, past whizzing by in the fast water and that. So, um, yeah, like floodwaters can be fished, but, um, I mean, you've got to, you have to pick your times and you've got to be bloody careful too because a lot of the time the water is absolutely roaring and, and yeah so yeah but um i got i got i looked it up it's called black bream and they look they look um like a pogey like a they, we have fish up here called pogies they look just like them yeah i don't know if they're the same thing because but they look like them 
black bread. Uh, no, they're a, they're quite a um, tall fish. Yep. Sort of got a bit of like a snapper shape to them. Yes, exactly. Big schools of them, I imagine. Sorry, big schooling fish. Um, they do school up a little bit. Not in, I wouldn't say massive schools, but you you will catch a few in a in a you know in one area. But they charge around in the mangroves, um, and they've got quite um good set of chompers on them, and they sort of eat crabs, and they'll break stuff off of pylons, so pylons and mangroves and stuff like that. People fish for them, but this is an actual river that um. It's the mouth of the Onkaparinga, I would imagine, is where they're fishing. So, say, within a couple of k's of the actual mouth. So, it'd still be salt, fresh mixture. But they're just fishing off the bank for them, like land-based fishing, and they're doing really, really well. So, I'll probably wreck it for them now. Half of South Australia will be down here this weekend. But, um, I don't know, they've had a good run, so share, share alike. Why not? Now, have the rains affected the fishing for the Murray Cards? Yeah, it's made the river, well, it's a closed season now until the um, 1st of January. Um, that's in Victoria and New South Wales. In South Australia, I think it goes a little longer. You need to check You need to check your relevant authorities and um, local areas and the rules and regulations because they all change slightly throughout the states. So some dams are open and you're allowed to go, and reservoirs, you're allowed to go to them and fish for cod, but you must know which ones they are and it doesn't mean they all are because most of them are shut. Yeah. So um, it's a closed season. But um, this, with the water the way it is now, it's like chocolate milk Delicious. and doing a 1,000 miles an hour. <laughs> so um, good luck to you. But a lot of people up there now in this time of season um, fish for the callop and they cast for them. They don't actually troll lures. You're not allowed to troll lures at all close season but you're allowed to cruise along and cast now this is all well and good and they catch plenty of callop but occasionally they do catch the odd bycatch a cod but it's the most effective way to fish for cod at this time of year because they're nesting Mm -hmm. so they're sitting on the big bloke sitting on the nest fanning the eggs and the mum's cruising around pretty close and very 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 aggressive and very protective now, if you go trolling past with a lure and it's, you know, just out of earshot of them, well, they'll probably watch it swim by and not bother. They won't risk leaving the eggs. But if it's close enough, they'll go at every time. So that's the the thought of banning trolling. They say, well, they won't come. They won't leave the nest leaving the egg vulnerable to predators. But with flicking lures, like casting the lures at them, mm-hmm. I mean, you actually land it right on their head. You know what I mean? You actually cast at the snag continually until you pull the callop out or whatever. And if the cod are under there, you're going to catch him every single time. So the, it seems contradictory that trolling, which is a lot more hit and miss, is banned, yet you're allowed to pull up at the stump that the cod's living under and cast your, cast your arm off at him. It just seems a crazy rule, but that's... That's South Australia all over with the fishing rules and that. We just, we, I don't know quite why, but we just don't seem to get it right over here. Well, the, the good news is, is you're not alone. Fishing regulations rarely make sense to everybody. So it's, we look, we read our regulations all the time. And I'm like, what? Why can't, what? No. And they don't make sense, but they, you got to follow the rules. Yeah, and this is right. And then I just don't bother going fishing this time of year in the river. It's just, I mean, 
one, it's freezing cold, and two, you know, if I, you know, once you've tasted the fishing for cod sort of bug, you know, once it's bit, yeah, yeah, you know, callip are all great fun, and and I do enjoy fishing for them, but I'm not going to load the boat up, drive all the way up there, land, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. just they're not worth to me personally. They're not worth that much effort. So um, when we just wait for the summer, uh, wait for the cod season to reopen. We go to the Cod Classic, which is the first um, December the second, third, and fourth. So um, that's Cod opening. So um, yeah, it's the biggest competition in you know in Australia, just about. And um, you know, it's just a great honour to be invited there. And um, we do a bit of sponsorship sort of thing. We throw a few lures around, and uh, yeah, it's just a fantastic way to start the season. Yeah, it's a good. T- I had a cod question. If you were to describe cod for people like the United States, how would you describe that fish? Because no one around here knows what it is, and ninety percent of our listeners are here. Well, you know the sea cod. Um, yeah. Uh, well, they're similar to that, to be honest. They got a barbel. Just probably. Sorry. They have a little barbel under their chin and everything. Uh, no, nah, they don't have anything like that. But they have enormous mouths full of teeth. Um, not great big canine teeth, but they're big enough, um, and they're a green, like a sort of, oh, like a Nile perchy type of shape. Um, sorry? That's, that sounds right to me, yeah. Yeah, that, they're sort of like the Nile perch, but they're green with a green mottly spot, which um, did fantastic colouring on them. Um, just a yeah, and then just an enormous fish, you know. They go up to a hundred pound, and very aggressive. Don't put up much of a fight when you catch them. Some do, but not often. Well, lots of big but, fish uh, are like that. You get these huge fish, and they just kind of hang on, and they feel like a big fight because they're big fish, but they're not fighting like a smallmouth bass would fight. You know, they're just no, no, nothing like that at all. Like when up here, in Australia, up in the tropics, they have the the barramundi is the mm. is the number one sport fish, and that grows probably not quite as big and not quite as heavy. Probably just as long, but not quite as heavy. But they go crazy. They go absolute shit. Now pull you out the back of the boat just about. But um, the old cod, the initial strike on your lure. So when you're trolling, you get your eighty or ninety pound cod comes rushing out of his log grabs your lure and then just tries to go back to the log. But that all happens in a split second. And that initial strike is just, you never forget it. You never, ever forget it. And that's what everyone does it for. It's just like a drug to them. It's just people just hang on to that rod and they will tinker up and down these rivers for 10 hours at a time. And they'll do that for day after day after day until they get one. We've been very blessed. Very, very, very blessed this season. It's been the best season I think anyone can ever remember. And um, Captain Spiro and myself and Pelican Matt, we all um, we all got onto them. And I think we had five fish over four foot and around the ninety pound mark, plus various others we lost and some smaller ones. And we caught you know probably a hundred and fifty plus callop for the season as well. So. You know, you're catching a dozen or 15 callop and one or two massive cod in four or five hours of fishing. That's fantastic fishing for, for our end of the river. That's that fantastic really for any place. Yeah, these fish are huge, Clay. I, I would love to get you over here and 
just, yeah, it's just the scenery is fantastic. You've got these massive cliffs that you sort of cruise up and down and, you know, they're 100 foot high and you, know, you go for kilometres long and the sun sets and it goes all red and orange and uh, all the parrots and everything buzzing around. It really is a fantastic place. You never get sick of. Uh, you know, I, I would love to come down there. And I got to tell you, uh, we are, the fish nerds right now, we are looking at trying to find ways to get some revenue stream here. And, and uh, currently we are, we are losing money every month. Costs about two hundred twenty bucks a month to make a show, um, with all the fees and everything. It's expensive to do this, and we don't we don't charge any money for it. So um, we are we are in the market now for sponsorships. So we're looking for that. And if we can find a revenue stream, then we could do things like fly to Australia and you know meet with you live and do the real fishing and stuff. So I mean that's that's the whole that's the, the truth of it all. I'd like to come over there and fish quite a few places. Sure. I'd like to you know. Hook up with these blokes, also with the Wild Fish Wild Places crew, and they go all over the place. Oh, and, oh the sure. places they go are fantastic, but the expense, it's just, you know, it's just one of them things. Oh, it's, and it's funny because once you get a place, it's not that expensive because your friends will put you up and feed you. It's just that airfare from Australia is insane. So uh, we're, we'll be shopping around. You're going to hear next few weeks, you'll start hearing some more and more. Um, Hopefully some some uh, sponsorship on the show, and that will open us up to grow the show, get better equipment, and do better things. Speaking of which, um, we run what's called a Patreon campaign. Have you heard of this? Yeah, so we do this thing where our fans, people who like the show and want to keep it going, can go to patreon.com slash fishnerds, and they can donate to keep the show going. And if everyone who listened gave a dollar a show, we would have enough money to do everything the show ever needs. It wouldn't cost anything. Four dollars a month for most people, and we could do anything. Um, yeah. Now, right now, we are like I said, the show costs about two ten a month to make, and we're making about a hundred and sixty a month on Patreon. So, not quite enough money to get the show in the in the black, so to speak. Uh, so, what we're going to do the next few weeks, uh, next whoever is people who are giving us money on Patreon, our Patreon subscribers are going to come on the show every month or every week and talk about themselves. So the first person we're going to hear tonight, his name is Ryan Dubay, and he's from Maine. Oh, yes. Yeah. I correspond with Ryan a little bit here and there. Yeah. Well, we built we this whole kind of um, community on Facebook, and Ryan's on there. He's well involved. And so here's, here's Ryan Dubay. Hello. Who's this? Is, is this Ryan? It is Brian, yeah. Who's that? Hey, that's, that's some good acting. This is Clay from Fish Nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Clay. How are you? Excellent, excellent. Hey, so you know, I'm calling you because you're a Patreon supporter. You help keep our show going, and I appreciate it. And this is a brand new segment, and it's all about showing off uh, who the super fans of the Fish Nerds are. So, hey, first of all, Ryan, where, where are you from? Uh, I am originally from the Cape Cod area of Massachusetts, but I just moved to Maine. To Maine. And that's about, you're about an hour from me, right? Yes, right about an hour, 45 minutes an hour, yep. Yes, and in full disclosure, you and I have actually fished together recently, and uh, how, how did we do? We did, uh, I caught one fish, but overall we did terribly, but I think that was more of lake choice by it, the person it, to be written in English. It was. You know, it's funny. I was going through, we have a back catalog of about 90 shows I'm working on putting up on 
the internet, and there's probably 30 shows of me fishing on Silver Lake, and I still go back for more punishment. Not one do I come back going, yeah, that lake's awesome. Every single time, same, same results. So that's just uh, the nerdiness level that we are and that you are. And Ryan, what do you what do you do? Uh, I'm a stay-at-home dad for the most part. Perfect. Other than that, I go fishing. You go fishing, and you fish probably more than almost anybody I know who doesn't do it for a living. Yeah, I probably fish 25, 30 hours a week, but that's right. because eventually I want to do it for a living once I, I get to that point. Yeah, well, uh, as I get into the guide service business, I'll let you know how that goes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, and maybe you can get, maybe you can make a living another way in the business. Um, and so, so I've only a couple minutes here, but I, I want to first of all, um, how did you find the fish nerds? What, what was the impetus? Uh, I found the fish nerds actually through uh, uh, the the cooking correspondent Hugo. I was friends with Hugo, and I used to fish with Hugo. And he said, and I used to talk about how I constantly listen to podcasts. And he said, Have you listened to the fish nerds? I said, No. I've never heard a decent fishing podcast, and I, you know, will insist that you guys are still by far and away the best fishing podcast out there. I, I appreciate that, and and you've been supporting us on Patreon for a long time. Tell me why, why do you give us your dollar? Well, I'll tell you. It's just I always do it because I don't want you to go away. <laughs> is the biggest thing. Well, that's it. It's, I've I've had a lot of podcasts that I've liked in the past, and, you know, at first they start their weekly, and then they go monthly, and then you don't hear from them for a long time because there's not a lot of a lot of money in it. There's not, you know, people do it out of goodness of your heart, but then family and everything else gets in the way, and all of a sudden we don't have you anymore, and, and what are you going to do with that hour of your life? Yeah, and, you know, and, and you are right, and it's, it's a lot of hours. You know, for an hour-long show, there's about five hours of work for, uh, for us to put out. So yeah. there's a lot behind it, and we, we appreciate it. So um, tell me about what's your favorite kind of fish catch? My favorite fish to catch has got to be the striped bass far and away. And is that also your favorite to eat? Uh, no, I will not eat them. I let them oh. all go. Unless unless I mortally wound them, uh, I will not eat them. I think You're... my favorite fish to eat is black sea bass. Black sea bass. <laughs> That's cool. Um, but So you, you hate the black sea bass, but you love... You love the uh, stripers. Well, I like the black sea bass too. It's just the the, the sea bass is a a growing species where the striper, I think, is really in a lot of trouble. So uh, well, that's that's great. I, I like I like people who think the way you think. Um, and so you're also pro staff for a bunch of companies, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, is there anyone you want? To yeah. Well, I I really I mean the biggest one that I work with is. Is Seal Free Kayaks. I think they're they're an incredible company, an incredible group of people that are uh, um, that are there. They're just feel like a family. Their staff is still only like 70 guys, but I think they've doubled in the couple of years I've been with them. And they're they're just they're still a group of like it's like six or eight guys in the office, and their company is growing huge. They make incredible boats, but they're just they're all about the fishing, you know. Yeah, and that's what we're all about too. So that's cool. Yeah. That's great. Well, hey Ryan, thanks so much for uh, for letting me call you. And um, and uh, what would you say to people who aren't who like our show aren't currently subscribing uh, through Patreon? What would you say to them? Give like fifty cents or a buck. Yeah. I mean, think about it. You pay for that for cable TV or or anything else. It's, you know, so 
50 cents or a dollar a show is no big deal. Every little bit helps out. It, it all helps out. It really does a lot. Because our show costs 220 bucks a month to make. And we make about 160 on Patreon. And currently, we have no advertisers. That's it. That's all we got. Yeah. Right now, you, Ryan, you are why we're here. <laughs> well, I'm it. happy to hear it. <laughs> yeah, you can own that. So, hey, thanks again. I appreciate it. All right. Well, I'll see you later, Clay. All right, cool. Fish in the news. Yes. Do, do you enjoy fish in the news? Uh, always. It's one of the highlights of the show. Highlights of the show. Now, I'm, I'm making an attempt at doing the fish in the news without Dave, which is really hard for me because usually he's a newsreader. I'm the one making fun of it. So today, yeah. I'm going to read the news and you just jump in and go uh, Okay. Uh, this is from the Boston Globe. So this is real news. Ooh. No joke. Okay. Uh, headline, man freed after getting head stuck in Rhode Island jetty while fetching a phone. Oh. Yeah. Damn, mate. <laughs> Who really? hasn't done that? Yeah. How does this make the news for a start? Well, Sloan, it's it's that or talk about Donald Trump. You have two choices. Oh, God. Right, eh? Back to the bloke who fell off the jetty. Let's get right yeah. back to the jetty. <laughs> All right, from Naren Gadsden, Rhode Island. A man who got stuck headfirst between two rocks on a Rhode Island jetty while trying to retrieve his cell phone has been rescued with the help of olive oil. He must have got his head well and truly wedged in there. It's insane, right? So WJR-TV reported it happened Saturday afternoon. This is this past Saturday. While fishing, he was fishing, dropped his phone, reached in. Uh, the man got stuck up to his chest when he bent down to retrieve it. There are gadgets, firefighters, and environmental police spent most afternoon trying to free him before the tide came in. <laughs> oh, it was more, that was my next question. Was it a rising tide or a dropping tide? Or, oh, oh geez, that would have been... Oh, oh, okay. You know what's interesting? As much hours as they had to do this, not one person has a picture on this website. Oh, really? Yeah, I would love to see a picture of a guy with his head stuck in the rocks while fishing. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. I mean, that's... You know, you'd, You'd walk past think he's just bait collecting or something, wouldn't you? So you probably wouldn't stop and you're right there, Tiger, you know, you got your head stuck in a rock, mate, or you're just collecting worms. Oh. You'd probably just walk on by thinking, oh, he's collecting a few few cockles or something, da 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 da. Yeah, no, I wanna know is Yeah, this story's like half written, but I wanna know is how long was he stuck before he asked for help? Because I know if it was me. I wouldn't ask for help right away. I would be there it would take a long time before I start yelling for help. Yeah, you, yeah, exactly. Right. You'd move heaven and earth before you. Before you so, excuse me. Yeah. Hello. I just oh, imagine some. Stuck in a rock. I just imagine some mom and her like walking her son down the beach, and some guy going, "Whoa, whoa I'm stuck in the rock!" And she's like, "Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to that guy in the rock with his pants sticking out of the top. That's just crazy." So, yeah. So there's a there's a lesson here, Luke. Do you know what that is? Don't worry about your phone. Don't worry about your phone. Yeah, put it away. Yeah, just keep fishing. Don't touch it. Yeah, it's hard though. You know, that's our own camera nowadays. But man, but rock insane. fishing is the number one dangerous sport in the world. You know that, don't you? I did not know that. It is in well in Australia, it's the number one um, killer sport. So um, yeah, maybe it's just because dumber people go rock fishing than. On jetties or something, I don't know. Well, I, I mean, I'm a I'm a jetty fisherman. I love fishing on the jetties, and I can imagine this happening. 
I love rock fishing myself, but um, yeah, I could too. You know, people hang a lot of importance on their phones nowadays, so it's got everything on there. Oh, uh, yeah. must cost like seven hundred bucks. I mean, you don't you don't want to lose it. If you're like me, you don't pay for the insurance. You don't want to pay the extra five dollars a month. You're like, screw you. I paid you the money. I'm keeping the phone. I'm not paying the insurance. That's exactly right. Yeah, so that's. What we, I don't know if we have that over here. Insurance. No, not insurance, obviously. <laughs> some of us have. Some of us choose not to have it. Yeah, that's what I <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, the phone, that phone insurance thing. Oh, mm. I mean, you could get. I suppose you get it. Get your phone insured, I suppose. I mean, what? What are the premiums? What are the premiums well, on that? I gotta tell you, I don't do it because it costs like like eight bucks a month, and then when you lose your phone, you still got to pay a hundred and fifty bucks to replace it. So I'm like, you know what? Oh, why bother? Yeah, that's ridiculous. I'm going to put a good taste on mine and not drop it in the rocks. And that's hope. right. Yeah, so that's that first first piece of news. Second one. I think you're going to like this one. This is uh, from Australia. I scoured the planet for news from Australia. Are you ready for this? You might have heard this. A uh, woman spends $500 surgery for pet goldfish that choked on a pebble. Yes, yeah, I is, did see it. You uh, saw this. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, it choked on a pebble. Right, but that's 500 Australian. That's like, what, $7 American. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. We, we've gone <laughs> a little bit out of parody of late. But no, <laughs> I mean, why? Uh, obviously, she had a real, you know, bond with this goldfish. Sure. Well, if well, you saw the fish. It sort of falls in love with her and then... Then forgets for three seconds later. Then <laughs> I falls back love you. Oh, who are you? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, we've all seen Dory. That's um, right. Honey. But they say that's not true. What's that? That fish only have a three-second memory. No, it's like twelve. Yeah, it'd be longer. Yeah, it'd be a little <laughs> bit longer. And they, and they have, they, but they don't like their memory. It's hard to compare because their memory is more like habits. It's not really like memorizing no, exactly numbers. Right. Yeah. So you can condition but, um, you can yeah, condition I mean, a fish. It's obviously a very dopey goldfish if he's choked on a pebble. I mean, I, I know they pick him up and move him around a little bit, and he obviously had sinking food, not floating food, perhaps. Perhaps. But I would argue that, first of all, like, I'm looking at the photos of the surgery, and I haven't read the article yet. I'm going to read it to you in a minute here. And it looks like they just took some forceps and pulled the rock out of his mouth. Well, how does that cost that much? Well, that's the question I would ask, right? So I'm going to read the article. Here we go. You ready? Yep. All right. When, picked, when, when a panicked young woman rushed her pet goldfish <laughs> into a local <laughs> clinic after it choked on a pebble, the veterinarians inside did not roll their eyes. Instead, they got right to work to save the life of one-year-old Conqueror the fish. Conqueror? Yeah. Now, with anesthetics... <laughs> And some gloves and a tiny instrument, the vets were able to get hold of the small jagged rock and remove it from the 13 grams goldfish's mouth. Conqueror's eyes were obviously bigger than its belly that day. Madeline Reinecker, a veterinary nurse at Brisbane Bird and Exotics uh, in Australia, told CBS News. Luckily, Conqueror's mom was observant. Had she not noticed the subtle changes in her pet, he surely would have starved, Reinecker said. Now the fish is happy, ha- healthy, happy, and back home where he belongs. That's insane. Oh my. So, so she didn't notice it swimming around with its eyes bulging out its head, gasping for breath, madly struggling for life. 
uh-huh. with a jagged rock stuck down its throat. Really? I've lost for words for this one, Clay. It's, but, uh, it's nutty. People it's do nutty. get attached to their pets, though. You they do. You do hear some crazy, crazy stories about people and their pets. And well, this I, is up there. I question Brisbane Bird and Exotics uh, ethics just to do the surgery at all or to charge that kind of money for it. Yeah, you, I, yeah. Look, I mean, they grabbed, they grabbed the steak. fish and they pulled a rock out of his mouth with forceps. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. That just seems expensive. But I mean, did they anesthesia it or any anesthesia at all do you, required no, for you, a goldfish? You, like what little mask, did, the tiny little goldfish mask or something, do they? Or, oh, yeah, you they know. hook up to tubes. Now, you, have you, you've worked with fish, right? Yeah. Okay, so when I work with fish and we've done scale sampling and all kinds of stuff, you know what we did for anesthesia? Um, clove oil we use. Oh, that works great. We would drop um, Alka-Seltzer in a bucket of water and put the fish in it. And it would pass yeah, out from the carbon dioxide. You'd work with the fish and you put it back in oxygen and water. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Well, we, we sort of do similar, with, but we use clove oil, a couple of drops or a drop in, you know, 20, 30 litres of water is usually enough, as long as you can smell it. Yeah. On the water, just slightly smell it, and um, pop them in there, and then you know, a couple of minutes later, you look back, and they're all like, wee, all dopey, and swimming around real casual, and yeah. holding fins, and you know, hugging each other a lot. They're so it's happy. The big love in, and then you you can get them out, and they're all sort of subtle and dopey, and that. We travel with them like that too a little bit. If we we've got to move them around, we'll we'll drug them out on buddy um, global but you can overdose them as i found out well i i tell you if you're ever going to travel with fish travel with the fish high or don't travel at all that's my motto yeah exactly yeah. well this is you know we were thinking getting t-shirts made up with that but no the um i went drip drip and then the bottle sort of jolted a bit and a, brrr, a heap of drips went in and i it was too late and we had to leave and i looked at the water and i smelt it it was quite strong and i thought oh Oh, that'll be right. So I popped these fish in it. Three months later, they finally woke up. They were three months. Yeah, they took forever, and then they, then one day I went out there, and they were as good as gold. That's but um, yeah, so um, they had one hell of a ride. <laughs> well, good, good on them. Anyway, so I would on a goldfish. If you were the vet, someone brought you a goldfish, what would you say? Well, we don't know the state this lady showed up in. If she was catatonic, if she was, you know, we who knows, you know, take me, take me sort of thing. Save the goldfish, but take me. Well, I mean, as a business operator, if someone wants to give you 500 bucks to pull a rocket out of a fish's mouth. Uh, Well, she probably said it as a joke. Yeah. I'll pay anything. (laughs) Yeah, I'll give us 500. We'll be right. Ha, ha. And she's gone, boom. Oh, okay. No, look, I mean, you you're at their, uh, your professional opinion can only go so far. If they demand to have it done, well, I suppose, I mean, you're probably chartered to, to do it, I suppose. I but, imagine that. Yeah, it seems ridiculous. I think they'll be saying, you know, look, love, what was his conqueror didn't make it. He's not going to make it, so um, good, yeah. Conqueror hasn't made the night. Um, yeah, look, we've made preparations for burial um, da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah and then charge you $300 for cremation <laughs> yeah well I mean all the cats in there be like licking their lips thinking cool Conqueror didn't make it mm, finally well, yeah. they're just getting in Perfect. But, uh, Conqueror 
conqueror. Conquer. Yeah. <laughs> to conquer. Exactly. You're kidding me. That's his Bird name. Fish? Yeah. That eats rocks. That <laughs> eats rocks. Now, I wonder, did she go home and switch the ground, the rocks from her goldfish tank into something else? Well, I was, yeah, jagged rock, it said. I mean, if it had been a list of traditional pebble, would they have just passed it? Or would it be, you know, conqueror swallows pebble that was too smooth for the forceps to get hold of? And... <laughs> if, it was a, if it was a pebble that was smooth, it would have been X-lax they gave and you would have shattered out. Yeah, that's what I would have thought. Uh, yeah, well, stupid conqueror. Conqueror the stupid goldfish. Now, after all, this conqueror lived, yeah? He lived. Uh, we don't know how long for, but he, as of the article's publication date, he lived. How many goldfish could you buy for 500 bucks, you reckon? Uh, you could own a goldfish farm. Mm. Uh, now I'm curious. There's comments on here. I'm curious. Do we bother reading the comments? Well... Are they <laughs> worth reading? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no, they cover. Move on. They cover what we covered. So okay. Um, but anyway, good, good on her for saving her fish, I guess. But hey, speaking of fish uh, shitting, dump, dump the, the fish nerds. Always good. Have someone written in with a question? Have they? They called in, and this is this. Oh, is, cool. Hey nerds, this is Rich Collins. Um, I was just wondering about the use of corn as bait. I know it's not a good idea, but I've been told that it is very bad for a fish's digestive system, that they can't break it down and it essentially um, kills fish. I know people in the past, old times in particular, have chummed with corn just to get fish in the mood. Um, same question for all these um, power bait type things and uh, Berkeley Gulp and all that. I have a feeling they do wreak havoc on a fish's internal digestion. Wondered if you knew if they could break these down, and I wondered if they were um, kind of addressing this issue. Anyhow, thanks. Uh, he's from uh, Southern New Hampshire, from Exeter, and he actually went to guide school with me. When I went to get my guide license, he was at the same guide school I was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah good eye. Yeah. Good question. Yeah, so what do you think? Can a can a fish eat corn and survive? I um I think the corn I don't know I mean people were saying it definitely kills them, da 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 but it'd be one of the most popular bait for carp fishermen mm-hmm. in Australia. Can of corn head off down to the down the river with your float and the hook and simple and cheap. And effective. So, totally effective, right? Yeah, oh, very effective. They love it. Absolutely love it. But whether it knocks them over, I don't know. Um, All right, so I spent some time on the internet today, Googling around, and I found no evidence that a fish has ever died from eating corn. Nah. So uh, lots of people who claim uh, it's happened, but not no one's had any evidence of it happening. You know, they talk about it clogging fish up and their stomachs exploding, that sort of garbage. It doesn't swell, though. I mean, it's already cooked and swollen. I oh, mean, sure. crap. And, and most, most, you know, most animals can't consume corn. They just pass it, right? Yeah. Right. So including I, us. Including <laughs> us, right. So, and we always celebrate, hey, tomorrow's corny poop day. Oh. That's, a, that's a joke <laughs> off of Facebook because I, uh, <laughs> I put a poll up on Facebook. If a fish consumes corn, does it die? Now, there's a problem with doing a poll for a factual for factual information, right? Uh, 
if everyone votes yes, fish die from eating corn, does that make it true? Well, not. No. no but just ill-informed. Just ill-informed. So this poll means absolutely nothing, but I'm going to read you the results anyway. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, that's how we do things here. At they're, the, they're the polls we like, the ones we already know the answer to. We already know the answer. All right. So the vast majority of people said, nope, corn just gets passed on the same as when other animals eat it. Uh, Rich Collins, who called the question in, and um, Ryan Dubay and Nick Hudson, all three of whom have fished with me, uh, said Silver Lake is the regular target of corn fishermen, which is, has indeed killed every fish in that lake. So that's uh, that lake is my nemesis. There are no fish in that lake, and they claim it's because of the corn. So I can't argue with that. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, well, what we need to do is um, feed an unfortunate carp some corn mm-hmm. and observe what happens. I bet you that, cor- that carp will be so happy and not feeling unfortunate one bit. If you're looking at you with his little thumb up, going, thanks. <laughs> All right. Uh, Captain Sean and the amazing James both said, nope. It just shouts, tomorrow's corny poop day, and then laughs and moves on. And then two more people said, the corn cannot be digested and clogs the fish up. And one person said, who cares as long as we're catching fish? Well, I mean, I suppose if, you know, you get one great big fat carp, for example, come along and eat, I don't know, three quarters of a can of corn in one sitting it might block it might you know it might block him up but there might be other foods that does that to him too not necessarily corn they're saying corn is toxic or corn is um can't be passed and get stuck in their lower intestines right and something like that and well i don't know well i mean most they people are saying go, it i like it i mean yeah you know. most people who are saying it are saying it because they've caught fish cut them open and seen corn in the stomach now i'm saying if you cut the fish open it didn't die from the corn it died from, no. your, from your knife yeah yeah <laughs> so but I, I think that'd be fine carl hayes says i am indifferent because i've caught trout before on corn and when i cleaned it at least 30 pieces of corn fell out of it so there you go he the fish died from corn uh, or being okay, fed. now how are these fish getting so much corn inside of them? Uh, people like me will throw a whole can in the water and use it as chum, and then fish uh, in the pile okay. of corn. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So you killed all the fish in that lake? Absolutely. Oh, I've never fished with corn in that lake, but I will. <laughs> I'm going to kill the rest of them. And, yeah, uh, nah, well, yeah. Nah, look, it, that lake needs stocking, obviously. Uh, It's stocked pretty heavily. I read the stocking reports. It's yeah, just not. There's no forage or something. I don't know what's going on in that lake. They might like some fish just feed on the first thing they come across. Stocked fish can sometimes be funny like that because the first thing they come across after being pellet fed, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. The first thing they come across in the wild, they tend to just focus on. Yeah, they they don't know to broaden their horizons. It's only once their instincts and that sort of take over, but. Oh, like a trout, for example. I mean, if if you've been pellet feeding them and you try and wean them off on a few other odds and sods and then put them into a dam, and the first thing they come across is, um, say, yabbies, well, that's pretty much all they'll go for. Well, it's interesting you see that because the only the two best fish I've seen caught in that lake have been rainbow trout. Dave once caught a rainbow trout in that lake using a giant, like, Berkeley bass grub. And okay. Vinny, my buddy Vinny, uh, he caught last week. He caught a rainbow in that lake using a giant bass spinner. So, 
they're not catching they're not catching them on what you're supposed to catch trout on it's, they're just eating exactly whatever's around, right so. they you know the stocked fish have gone in there um got uh flying bugs that land on the water and flutter mm-hmm. and that is the first thing they've come across as a, as a weaned fish and they've gone wow this is what you eat so they just look for things that flutter whether it's if the first thing they came across was a worm or when they just mope around on the bottom looking for things that wriggle like worms. And, and this trout are very, very uh, like that. Specific feeders. They are. So let's get to part two of the question. Part two is Rich want to know how do fish react to Berkeley power baits? And I called Berkeley today and recorded a, a conversation with their customer service reps. So here's that conversation. Berkeley Fishing, this is Jason. Hey, Jason, how are you? Good, what can I do for you? I have a question about power bait. My, my, my friend asked me, and I'm curious, does, does power bait have a negative like impact on fish if they eat it? Power bait? No. No, so it's like biodegradable, or what's the deal? Yeah, yep. Uh, it would, it's potentially harmful to like cats, dogs, and like household pets, but uh, mm-hmm. fish is not. And not, no problem at all. It just dissolves and it's gone? Correct. Okay. Cool. That's it. <laughs> all right. Very good. Yeah, have easy enough. Yeah. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So that was Berkeley's customer service reps, and they said it just dissolves in the water. The fish digest it. No problem. But people and animals should not eat it. Oh, people and animals should not eat it? Yeah. But, but you can fish... You can fish with it. Right. So is it toxic or is it not? What are they saying? They say it's non-toxic but should not be consumed by people and animals. I think they got to be prudent on their labels. Yeah. Yeah. That's sort of contradictory. It, it is. But, I mean, honestly, have oh, you fished with this kind of stuff before? I have um, at a trout farm. They handed it out as the preferred bait. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a little tin of worms. And um, I just sort of said to him, look, oh, no, I'd rather use my worms. I don't know what it is about that stuff. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of scents either. Mm-hmm. Like you can buy, um, I think Berkeley do a scent. Yeah, you can spray your bait with it. Different scents, you know, sure. oh, you can do the old garlic and da-da-da-da mm-hmm. and all of well, fish you know, love garlic. I remember as a young lad, they used to have the aniseed-scented um, Burley, you could buy. Mm-hmm. It was illegal. Oh God! It, you know, oh, it worked so well. It was just a load of frog shit. <laughs> it was. It no. just, it's just marketing, you know, at its best. And I mean, the scent stuff probably once the fish is committed to the bait or it's committed to the lure, it may be just that little bit more enticing for it. But it's got to, you know, they're saying that it you know, sniffs it out and it hunts it down and tracks oh no a lot of lure fishing is vibration and sound vibration sound and motion yeah for sure yeah it's certainly that's what that's what triggers the fish's aggression not a you know they might get a bit of a scent in the water but they would smell that smell a hundred times a day in the water it's everywhere of course it would be i mean they'd, they'd, they'd pick up hundreds of different smells all day every day so, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a fan on it, and I'm not a fan on artificial baits either, uh, like Berkeley Power. I'm not picking on Berkeley. They're a fantastic firm and everything, but, yeah, I'm just not a fan on that. Right. Well, they uh, 
so when I fish with like power bait, which is rare, uh, I don't release fish afterwards. Because invariably, you're fishing with that kind of bait, they swallow the hook, they're going to die anyway. So I, I don't worry about it. It's not a thing. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, it just it seems odd that they say, oh, it's harmless, it dissolves in the water, it's this, that, and the other, but don't eat it. Don't eat it. Well, you know, and you think, mm, okay. Well, it might also be that it's not handled in a way that's appropriate for human consumption. It could be. Oh. Fine well, to eat, but it might not be stored in a way that it. people should eat it, right? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's lots of stuff you can like eat, or shouldn't. Food. Yeah, like dog food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which, I, which I also don't eat. No, no, not for a long time anyway. So anyway, so that's stump the fish nerds. If you want to call in and leave your question, call six zero seven three seven eight fish and leave your question, and we will scour the earth. Maybe go all the way to Australia to find your answer to Stump, Stump the, the Fishner. <laughs> yeah. All right, Luke, any closing thoughts? I'm sure if I got back here. Okay, well, no, nah, not really. I've just been um, busy making a few lures for a few customers. It's been a bit hard of late with um, just a few things happening off. Um, in the family and whatnot, that um, it's taken up quite a bit of time. So I haven't been making anywhere near as many as I'd like to. But with the Cod Classic coming up in December, I will be busy, busy little lure maker in the next few months. And um, yeah, really look forward to um, Cod season opening again. Well, good, and we'll get you back on uh, as a regular routine here on a schedule. That'd be really great. Uh, and how can people find you, Luke? Well, you just go on to um, Facebook, dial in Chamo's Lures, and then, you know, press like, come on, comment, talk. We have all, it's not just a lure page, it's very interactive. We have hand grenades Saturday, oh, every that. Saturday morning, and you can come on and have a, you know, pick the topic and have a yak, see what you think, and weather reports, fishing reports, general chit-chat. Yeah, it's a good, I'd love to see you, actually, you know. It's always fantastic to have new people come onto the page, so you're always welcome. It, it's a lot of fun, and I love it because a lot of our fish nerds nation hangs out there. It's great. Yeah, yeah, we've, we've made a real um, connection over the years, and it's been fantastic. We've met some really, really nice people. Totally good. So that's it. You've listened to a couple of fish nerds when you could have been fishing. And uh, we'd like to thank our families for supporting us while we podcast, go on fishing quests, and do all sorts of silly things that guys like us do. Uh, special thanks to Luke. Luke, thank you for coming on the show this week. Thanks for having me, everyone. It's been a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, take it easy. And see you on Chamo's Lures. All right. And do you recall the code of the fish nerds? Oh, jeez, I don't know. I can't remember it. Uh, no, I can't. All right. Spawn, spawn early and often. That's right. Avoid free lunches with strings attached. And <laughs> swim against the current with every chance you get. Hey, Luke, thank you so much. Good on you, Clay. <laughs>